today on Hardwired. Now, some have called this grand event the marriage of the bride, but it's really not. It's called the marriage of the lamb because the bride is the lamb. Jesus Christ's chief joy. You know what his chief joy is? Now, you may not feel like it, but it's you because you're his bride. One day you're gonna put on wedding garments and we're gonna have the supper of our life. It will put Del Frisco to shame. You're listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. It's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and hear about how the truth of God's word can make a huge difference as it's hardwired into your life, your relationships, and your future. You may be stuck in traffic or maybe even stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help you get on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. And if for any reason you have to break away before the end of the program, you can always catch it at our website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. So let's go ahead and get right into today's message. Here's Pastor Jeff to set it up for us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us and making us a part of your very busy day. It's a thrill to come your way, and it's an honor to share with you the Word of God. Well, the book of Revelation is a powerful book. It goes without saying, and we've been going through the entire book here on Hardwired, and today we come to a real highlight in the book of Revelation, the return of Jesus Christ on a white horse. I think it's worth noting that when Antichrist rides in the four horsemen of the apocalypse, he rides a white horse as well, but he's a fake Christ. Today we're gonna see the real thing, the real Christ, Jesus returning on a white horse. And when he returns, he's going to stop the terrible war of Armageddon. He's going to bring peace on earth and goodwill towards men, literally. He's gonna rule the world from this point forward. I can't wait to share it, so let's jump right into the message, The Rider on the White Horse. I like to go back, just recap a little bit from last week so that we're, we're kind of keeping up to speed and you're not getting lost in the bunch of information and stuff that is in this book. I did tonight, Tima, for, to every man an answer for the first time in six weeks. And um, one of the first calls we got it's where I answer Bible questions on the air, and uh, it goes all over the country. We get questions from everywhere, and it's live. The scary thing is there's no delay. You know what that means? If there's a delay, that means if they ask a question that throws you, it's delayed a few seconds so that you don't hear me going, uh, well, uh, er, uh, mm, mm, uh, right? There's no delay. You gotta give an answer or say you don't know quickly. But we got an answer, a question about the book of Revelation. We get one virtually every time. But my co-host is also, he just started the book of Revelation on Sunday mornings in Hawaii. He pastors Calvary Chapel, Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. So I said, you looking for a guest preacher? <laughs> he said, you want to speak here? I said, oh, you know, I, I might pray about it. He said, when are you thinking? I said, oh, you know, I might be open any old time. Next <laughs> so great guy. We were talking about the necessity of God's people knowing 
the Bible like never before. Because folks, there's so much deception out there. Can I just tell you, so many people have false concepts of scripture, of the faith, of they don't rightly interpret the word. There's so much out there that is just out there. And I deal with it almost every week in some significant way. And I said live on the air tonight, I said, I I can't remember a time in my whole Christian walk where it's been more necessary for Christians to know the Bible. Really, not a few pet verses, but the Bible. And that's why we teach books on Wednesday night, because Paul taught the Jerusalem elders and the people the whole counsel of God, not just a few pet verses they harp on every single time ad nauseum, right? We need the whole thing. Anyway, in chapter 17 and 18 of the book of Revelations, John has foreseen two Babylons, all right? You remember them, a spiritual Babylon, and that is the harlot church, the false religious system that I believe is forming right now. Evidence is everywhere. Just go on social media and see what some churches are teaching, what they're doing. Whole denominations are splitting, dividing, parting ways. New denominations are being formed out of necessity. Methodist Church is the latest. United Methodist Church has split over the LGBTQ issue. The official United Methodist Church is willing to ordain people living that lifestyle and place their approval on it and not address it from Scripture. So they have hemorrhaged people, tens of thousands of people nationwide, because they threw Scripture out. And now you've got a new arm of the Methodist Church forming that is conservative, that is biblical, sticking with the Word. But the Episcopalians went this way. I could go through a list of denominations that have lost their biblical anchor. Now, I'm not meaning to freak you out. I'm not meaning to worry you. You shouldn't be worried. You ought to be going, the Bible was right. Because in the last days, many will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines. Doctrine just means teachings. Teachings from devils. And they depart from the faith. We there. We there. Okay? So that's the spiritual Babylon. And a literal physical Babylon, we talked about last time, that will be the headquarters of Antichrist and his evil political system. The new Babylon in Iraq is being built now as we speak. The destruction of the literal last day's city of Babylon is going to be accompanied by the financial devastation of the entire world and will spell the end of Antichrist's economy and the mark of the beast and the whole way he has set up the economy of the world, which is a cashless society, will fall apart. It'll, it'll last a few years and fall apart. Now, with the beginning of chapter 19... The apostle is once again taken up into heaven to hear a crowd shouting. (laughs) Let me tell you, heaven isn't going to be boring. I've had people say to me, I'm going to be floating around in a cloud playing a harp for about one week and I'm going to be bored stiff. (laughs) You don't understand what's going to be happening in heaven. I want you to notice here, John says, after this, I heard what sounded like 
of everybody say a vast crowd. What are they doing? Shouting. Say it with me. Praise the Lord. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. His judgments are true and just. He has punished the great prostitute, the harlot church, who corrupted the earth with her immorality, spiritually speaking. He has avenged the murder of his servants. Now, this is a hallelujah chorus. You better learn how to praise now. because You're going to be doing a whole lot of it when you get into heaven. You know, you need to put on your praise. I like what Johnny said. Once an hour, look up and praise God. Because when we go to heaven, that's all we're going to be doing for a long time. But it will never get old. It'll be bliss and glory and thrills and incredible, indescribable, incomprehensible beauty and majesty. Yes. So this incredible hallelujah chorus stands in sharp contrast to the wailing and the weeping of the world that's happening down below. Heaven is rejoicing, the world is weeping. There's four hallelujahs mentioned in the passages we read. Four hallelujahs or praise the Lord's and they proclaim the triumph of heaven. They rejoice in the judgment of the false and final super church, false church, and of the whole Babylonian system including the dreaded mark of the beast. There is rejoicing that wickedness has been destroyed. The Lord has finally taken vengeance on those that persecuted and murdered his people. Remember their souls under the altar in chapter six? When are you going to avenge us? God said, hang on, hang on a little while longer till the rest of those who are gonna be martyred for the faith, it happens, wait till it happens. But when the last one is martyred, there's going to come a judgment. And dear church, I got to tell you, there's a judgment coming. We don't talk about that in our bless me club church world today. God just wants to prosper you and bless you and this and that for you. And it's all about you and what you're going to get from the Santa Claus in the sky. But let me tell you something. We are rapidly racing towards judgment. Now the book of Revelation is part of the judgment. 21 judgments in increments of seven. And by the time the last one is done, there's not much left of this old world. No, it's going to be melted like in a burning oven. And it's going to be completely redone. And you know, look at our filthy world, morally filthy, morally filthy. The horrible laws that are being passed. Just, I just feel sometimes like I'm living in muck and mire but that's all gonna be burned up. And you know, we're gonna be glad it's gonna be burned up, right? The 24 elders and the four living creatures are now heard for the last time in the book of Revelation. And they're given a mighty shout of praise, verse three to five. And again, their voices rang out, praise the Lord. The smoke from that city ascends forever and ever from Babylon, that is. Then the 24 elders and the four living beings fell down and worship God who was sitting on the throne. And they cried out, say it with me, everybody. Amen. Praise the Lord. And from the throne came a voice that said, praise our God, all his servants, all who fear him from the least to the greatest. 
And then the voice of a great multitude again. Who's this multitude? It's the church. It's the church. And what are they doing? Well, all of the redeemed of all of the ages. That's the church. And they sound out the final hallelujah. You're going to be in there. I want you to think about this. I want you to personalize this. Do you love Jesus tonight? Okay, then you're going to be in here. I want to personalize it for you. You're going to be doing the final hallelujah because you've been redeemed. And then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of a mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. That's how loud we're going to be. Praise the Lord. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to Him. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise? Thank you, Lord. Before Pastor Jeff comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple of important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, hardwired.org. You'll find today's program along with all of Pastor Jeff's messages. There's a growing list of great things to check out at the site. So hop on over and check it out, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. And be sure to tell your friends about the program. We know you're being blessed by it. I'm sure your friends will be as well. We're here to reach as many people for the Lord as we can. So getting the word out will help us on this mission. And that's what this program is all about. And Pastor Jeff's back now for the conclusion of today's program. Now, following the fourth hallelujah comes the presentation, oh my, of the Lamb's wife. And you're in there too. The ransomed, the glorified bride of Christ in all of her spotless purity. This is the first of two suppers in this climactic chapter of 19. It's the wedding feast of the Lamb and his bride. Verse 7, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And his bride has prepared herself. Marriage Supper of the Lamb. Here we go. Now, some have called this grand event the marriage of the bride. But it's really not. It's called the marriage of the Lamb. Because the bride is the Lamb. Jesus Christ's chief joy. You know what his chief joy is? Now, you may not feel like it, but it's you. Because you're his bride. One day you're going to put on wedding garments. Okay, and we're going to have the supper of our life. It will put Del Frisco to shame. Okay, when all of the redeemed are around him in heaven, then he will fully enjoy the fulfillment of why he died. John notes the bride is dressed in white. Revelation or verse eight. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear for the fine linen represents. Watch this now. The good deeds of God's holy people. The, the white linen is representative of something important. It's the right things we did once we were saved. The good works. Somebody heard me say today, there's manual labor and there's Emmanuel labor. I love Emmanuel labor. I could do Emmanuel labor all day, every day, all week till the day Jesus comes. I love Emmanuel labor. Now, the Emmanuel labor we're involved in after we're saved we are rewarded for. That was another call that came tonight on the radio. We're rewarded for the ways we glorified God, obeyed Him, 
exercised our gifts, glorified him, reached people for him, prayed where it made a difference. Any way that the kingdom of God is advanced through you and me, there's a reward. Your works don't save you, but they testify that you have been saved. Amen? Amen. What did James say? You say you have faith without works. And he said, I'll show you my faith by my works. Yes. Right? Because if you got real saving faith, you're going to end up doing something for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Just read the book of Titus, the last chapter. I think it's three. Four times Paul tells Titus, you better be sure to tell your people to be involved in good works, sustain good works, don't give up on good works, stay with the good works. Four times in one chapter, this is one of Paul's constant admonitions. I want my people involved in good works. Not that glorify them, but that glorify him. You're the salt earth, lie the world. Let your light so shine before men, listen to this, that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. See, the good works testify that something has happened to you. That is good because it's a good work. What kind of works were you involved in before you were saved? Evil, wicked, nasty, wrong, right? Come on, everybody. Don't look at me so holy. You were doing things now that you're ashamed of. But then you go from evil works to good works. Amen. Amen. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 3. I, let me quickly read it to you. Starting at verse 10, because of God's grace to me, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. He's talking about the spiritual foundation of your life. What you built your life on. Now others are building on it. Teachers like me. Okay. Once you're saved, pastors like me that teach and preach the word, I'm building on the foundation that was laid in your life. The foundation was Christ. Because he goes on to say, no one can lay any foundation worth its salt other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. You begin a brand new life with a brand new foundation, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. You're building your life now around him, his teachings, his example, and the teachings of the apostles, the epistles of the apostles, right? Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Now this is illustrative, right? He's giving us a metaphor. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hair, straw. But on the judgment day, not the great white throne judgment, but the judgment seat of Christ. You say, well, when does this happen? I think when we're raptured and go up, our works are tried, then we go to the marriage supper. Why are our works tried? He says here, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. And this is what scares me in a good way. Puts the fear of God in me. Because if I'm a pastor and I got a crowd of people and I'm not teaching you the word, I'm giving you a bunch of stuff, secular stuff, you go get them stuff, you know, motivational, positive thinking kind of stuff, religious stuff. I'm not teaching you the good word of God. I'm going to answer to God for it. So anytime you're around me or under me, listening to me, you can mark it. You'll hear me start with a verse. You'll hear me pepper my message with verses all the way through. And I will end it with a verse because I don't have anything to say to you except the word. 
That's all I've got to say to you. I'm going to answer for it. And you're going to answer, listen to me, everybody, what you allowed somebody to build on your foundation. It's not just the speaker, it's the listener. They'll depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. What are they doing? And doctrines of devils. They're listening. And they're letting their itching ears be scratched by false teaching. So it's not just what am I telling you, but it's what are you submitting to and listening to? Like I said Sunday, who's got your ear? Who's telling you who you are? Who's building on the foundation of Christ? If they're not building the word into your life, folks, and I'm talking about the whole word, the real word, the Christian word, the New Testament word, the Bible word, you better hook them. Get out of there. Turn it off. Put it down. Because look what he says. On the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value eternally. If the work survives the fire of God's scrutiny, that builder will receive a reward. I'll get a reward and so will you for listening to the right things and letting Christ be built into your life. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 7, the last thing he said, Matthew 7, 24 or so. He talks about the man built his house on the sand and the floods came and the winds blew and the rains fell and beat, that's a violent word in the Greek, smashed against that house and it fell. Why? Because it was built on sand. But he that hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the floods came and the winds blew and the rains fell and beat on that house in the same way the other one was beat on. They're in the same neighborhood. They're on the same street. But one collapses and one stands. Isn't that true of people? Haven't you known people who were right down the way from you? And winds blew, trials came, floods beat on their house tribulation, persecution, criticism, whatever, and it collapsed right down the street, right next door to you. The same things happened to you, but you kept on standing. What's the difference? You did something right in here. You built, you got the right foundation, the rock of Christ, then you built on top of that, the epistles, the teachings of the apostles and of Christ himself. Man, this didn't, I, I didn't mean to spend this much time on this, but we need to hear this. Because watch this, if the work survives, that builder is going to receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved. So you're getting in, but by the skin of your chinny chin chin, the builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So everybody say, be careful what foundation you have. I've got about five of you going with me here. I think the rest of you are kind of freaked out from what I just said. <laughs> so let's try again. It matters what foundation you lay, Jesus Christ, and what you build on it, and who you allow to build into your life. So the good deeds for which these saints in Revelation have received the reward of pure white linen 
are works done in obedience to Christ. While good deeds do not merit our salvation, they attest to the authenticity of our salvation and they're rewarded. Now, after the bridal banquet, the triumphant saints go forth to participate in the glorious appearing and the establishment of our Lord's long awaited kingdom. Who is among these saints? They're identified in Hebrews 12, 23, because it says saints return with him. Who are they? Let's read. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. Is your name in heaven? You've been listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. It would mean the world to us to know how the program has helped you today. So take a quick minute and give us a call, 877-884-3111. Or you can connect with us at our website, hardwired.org. And if you enjoy the program as much as we love bringing it to you, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. There are daily costs associated with the program, and we truly do depend on the faithful financial support of our listeners like you to allow us to be on this station. So please consider partnering with us today with your gifts to this ministry. You can call us at 877-884-3111 or go to the website hardwired.org. Again, call 877-884-3111 or at our website hardwired.org. Thank you for your loyal partnership as we couldn't do this without you. And finally, Pastor Jeff is the founder and senior pastor of the vibrant Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're ever in the area, we hope you'll stop by and say hi. And let us know that you listen to the program. That would really make our day. And Pastor Jeff would love to meet you personally too. So till next time, have a great day. And thanks so much for listening to Hardwired.